0: Great to be here today with Rabbi Zelig Golden, who is the Executive Director of Wilderness Torah. He received rabbinic ordination from Aleph, the Alliance for Jewish Renewal, and was previously ordained Magid by Rav Zalman Chakta Shalomi Yitzal. He holds a Master's in Jewish Studies from the Graduate Theological Union, and previously worked as an environmental lawyer protecting food and farms, and has long guided groups into the wilderness. Zelig's vision for a thriving earth-based Jewish tradition developed out of a lifetime of nature, connection, Jewish leadership, and commitment to environmental advocacy. Rev Zelik, thanks for taking time. Rev Shmuley, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So to jump right in, as someone who was trained as an environmental lawyer, what inspired you to leave that profession and enter into spiritual work?
1: Yeah, thanks so much. I mean, for me, the, the path of, uh, of awakening is an unfolding path. And um, for me, and I, I believe for all of us, you know, it's, it's one step at a time. And uh, when I left home, I grew up in Spokane, Washington. When I went, left home, I went off to college. I tuned into the ecological challenges that our world faces. I felt them deep in my neshama. Um, and it took me on the path of studying ecology and the environment. And eventually it took me to the law, where I, I, I wanted to fight for the thing that I love so much. And I became an attorney, uh, an environmental attorney, working uh, on behalf of uh, the environment, specifically protecting seeds and organic agriculture. But something happened along the way. And, and, and for me, um, you know, I encountered challenges that I hadn't encountered before. Like my soul somehow was feeling more and more constricted. I, I, I entered into a de- de- depression. Um, and... I knew that I was fighting for what I loved. I knew I was really good at what I was doing. We were winning some big landmark lawsuits, but uh, spiritually I was, uh, I was in trouble. And so I went searching, asking the very deep questions. And that led me to uh, doing a ceremony in the summer of 2007, where I went and sat and prayed by myself with support um, on a mountain and for, for four days and four nights. And um, I got to reflect on my life and also tap into a vision. That, I, that my, you know, a spark in my soul had been carrying, um, I imagine, even before I was born. And that was uh, to get my people back to nature. And at, that summer, I returned home and uh, I knew that my law career would soon end and that something new would begin. I wasn't exactly sure what it was. But uh, in my synagogue at Halev in South Berkeley at the time, we did a Sukkot on the farm that fall. And that was the first thing we did, which eventually grew into Wilderness Torah. Two and a half years later, I packed up my desk in my law office after um, a big landmark U.S. Supreme Court lawsuit, and 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 began wilderness tour in earnest full time. And since then, I can say that my neshamas feels full, and uh, I was grateful for the work of fighting for the environment. And now I feel like I'm I'm doing my my deep soul work of turning our people back towards its its profound relationship with the natural world. Maybe one hand, you know, uh, of the other hand, but um, but the but the deep work that I'm called to do.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So, uh, you know, transitioning for a moment from, from your personal narrative to the philosophical or theological, since you just brought up the Shema and your soul work, I wonder, you know, some people think about dualities, you know, the the body and the soul or the world and us um, or the self and the other, and some people reject those dualities. And I wonder, as someone doing spiritual work and doing earth work, what is the relationship between soul and earth?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a duality, but I wouldn't call it not a duality. I think th- there's aspects, you know, in our in understanding of the shama uh, of soul, we we have multiple levels, and um, I believe that we are we are part the star, you know, and we're also part the earth. Um, so so the human is a reflection of the cosmos, you know, it's we're btzel el him and that's that's that that's the entirety of reality. Um, so the human is is very profound, but it is also true that as human beings, we walk on the earth. It, as human beings, we get our food from the earth. We collect our water, you know, from the cycle that is a part of this earth. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, it's essential to see within our own Jewish traditions that they grew out of the earth. Our shalosh regalim are part of, you know, our relationship to the, to the, the earth and the land that we bring the choicest of our, of our crops and of our herds, you know, at least we, we used to bring them you know, to the fire, to the sacred fire, um, so deeply elemental. We once knew how to pray for rain. And so while it is true that we are, um, we are soul sparks, we are divine, um, our relationship with the earth is fundamental and profound. And if we lose that relationship to the, the profundity of the, the earth, I think we lose our relationship to ourselves. And I'd like to actually um, just read from Aleph Dole Gordon. You know, he wrote uh, prophetically, that when you return to nature on that day, your eyes will be open and you will gaze straight into the eyes of nature and in that mirror, you'll see your own image. You will know that you've returned to yourself because when you hid from nature, you hid from yourself. So in, in the natural world, as we learn in Breishit, you know we are seeing a reflection of ourselves. It is ourselves in, in, in the creation. So this is foundational. Beautiful. We must have that relationship to the earth to truly know ourselves, to truly be in touch with our soul.
0: Yeah, that's so well articulated. So um, Jewish law and rabbinic Judaism as we know it today, uh, really emerged from the Jewish loss of their connection to the land uh, when they were sent into Galut and sent into the exile after Khorban Sheni, after the second destruction of the temple. However, we know the Jewish people have regained much of our biblical land, of course, in what is today known as, as Israel. Yet your work is, as uh, my understanding, entirely based in the diaspora. And so I wonder, like, does your work factor in the state of Israel? Are there any parallels between Jewish national sovereignty and a return to that land and Jewish connection to the land? Or is this an entirely different, different phenomenon?
1: Yeah, thank you. It's a profound question. I mean, I think at once um, I deeply love um, the, the land of Israel um, and its profound complexities. Um, I also deeply understand, see the truth that the, the wisdom of our ancestors very significantly, primarily grew forth from that earth. I just referred to the Shalosh Ragalim and the, and the, the, the sacred fire um, in our temple and how um, our spiritual technology and praying for rain, it all comes from that land. Um, at the same time, however, it's also true that we, you know, like seeds of a dandelion, have spread. Uh, to the four corners of the world, and um there 's a deep sadness in that there's a the, there 's a trauma in that because of what sent us to the four corners of the world and yet um I believe all things happen you know for a reason and, and it 's not to justify or or to say like what what happened two thousand years ago or what happened seventy years ago somehow has a good in it, but there 's something to learn from it and um and there are different approaches to understanding our relationship to land um and some would say that our relationship to the land of Israel in particular is essential for us to be Jews. Um, and I see it differently. And I'm following more of a universal approach. Um, I just read from the, the early labor Zionist prophet, Aleph Dalek Gordon, and his view while at once was pointing to the land as a place to do our labor and to do our connection to build our nation, he also understands the u- universality of humans on earth. And as Jew- Jewish people being a part of the universality. And as my late Reb Zalman, also taught that it is a time of Gaian consciousness, you know, where um, all peoples around the world um, need to awaken that Gaian relationship, that we are part of one interconnected breathing planet, that we have our taproot in that land, um, but that we can be fully alive anywhere on earth today. Um, And and I, I believe that because I experienced that. And I believe that because I have faith in the Jewish people wherever we are, um, and you know, it's it's like we're carrying the Gemara, the Talmud, as we're taught. It's the wandering homeland. And one of the ways I see the Gemara, the profound rabbinic revolution after the Second Temple was destroyed, um, is that we you know we gather the seed bank from our land there, and now it's our duty to plant that wherever we are and create um, you know create wholeness, create peace, and create connection wherever we are. So this is how I'm holding it.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Love that. So many people who are listening right now live in urban environments or even suburban environments and might feel kind of removed from uh, from nature. And I wonder what are some ways for those who struggle with that? They sit in a cubicle or they sit in an office, they get on a subway or in the car and they go home. What are some ways that some of us might make nature and the environment a more central part of our lives and, and part of our Jewish practice?
1: Yeah, beautiful. Well, first and foremost, I think when we're, when we're connected to the Torah, we're already connected to nature, and sometimes it's not totally obvious to see. And so one thing would be to do is to begin to understand that Parsha HaShavua and our, our festival cycle, these are all deeply attuned to the cycle of sun and moon. So if we just simply go out, you know, during Hanukkah and, and step out, not just inside the home where we'd like to be but we step outside and we, um, we really tap into what is the moon doing tonight? What is the sun doing this day? You know, Diana will have a deep connection to nature already. And if we, um, you know, uh, step outside, and um, for example, you know, uh, one of my favorite Torahs is the third chapter of Exodus, is Moshe Rabbeinu in the burning bush. And it says, you know, take your shoes off your feet, Moshe, because something profound is going to happen. Well, you know, go to a park and take your shoes off for five minutes and take a walk and just imagine imagine what it was like for Moshe Rabbeinu. And just doing that, you know, you'll you'll form a little bit of connection. And That's then, you know, we have Shabbos. We have yeah. we have our invitation every week to pause from the work of the world, whatever it may be, and uh, time at a time. And, and, you know, if we just go outside for a little bit of the Shabbos yeah. and listen to the birds. When we listen to the bird song, you know, it awakens something in us i love that um, it's, not only it's, it's, it's here it's here for us wherever we go whether we're in in new york city you know or we're in some beautiful rural place yeah. um nature is all around us
0: because we are part and parcel of nature wherever we are yeah i love that it's not only the places we can go to but it's what's all around us and it's how we encounter what's there like you said, i love that never would have thought about that taking our shoes off and and, and actually, also, there's human nature. I mean, our, as you said, I mean, our own nature is inter, um, interconnected with the nature around us. So there's the there's the there's the inner life. So let me ask you a, a, a last question, if I may: uh, Is is there's so much Torah you're immersed in? But is there a piece of Torah that particularly inspires the work you do today that you might be able to share with us? Something that kind of is a rooting or or, or fundamental, you know, Torah worldview or idea that. That that kind of drives you or inspires you.
1: Uh, I sigh because you know where to go. So many um, beautiful places in the Torah. You know, from the from the, the the original books to the you know the myriad volumes that have emerged. I, it's impossible to pick one. But I'll I'll just go back to where I where I spoke a moment ago. You know, um, I think Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, who is known as the clearest of prophets. You know, in, in this. Um, in this way, also becomes very instructive in what it means to have a relationship to the natural world. And I think uh, Rav Shmuel, you said it really beautifully: our human nature is what is at stake. And you might say that, in some ways, when we disconnect from the natural world, like um, like Rav Gordon says, um, we we hide from ourselves. And that you 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 might see Moshe's journey just like that. Moshe Rabbeinu is the deepest and the highest and the clearest of the prophets we're taught. And yet he also had to go through his own journey of clarification. He had to go through his own journey of discovery He had to go through his own journey of healing i mean he 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 he's a he's a an alien raised in the home of Pharaoh and you know not until he's coming of age does he see the the iniquities upon his own people that he kills you know one of his brethren from Egypt and flees and where does he end up you know after uh, after um, going to Yitro and Sippora, he ends up Achar He ends up in the farthest end of the wilderness, and this is in Exodus. And it's here where you might say his turning point in his life happens, where he heals from that early wounding, where he gets to see something about himself he couldn't see before. And it specifically says that in the farthest end of the wilderness, the the bush appears, and Moses sees a Na, Moses turns aside you might say it's like he does something asur. there's something prohibited in what he's doing not meaning in the outer world like he's in the wilderness no one's there to stop him or to, to admonish him it's just within he goes against something that he understands being prohibited Asurana, and then God reveals itself and says Moses take off your shoes from your feet but the deeper Torah there Sha'al nalecha me'al literally remove your sandals from your feet means Unlock yourself, Moshe, from your habits. Unlock yourself from the habits that your fear has generated. Unlock yourself from your habits that your alienation, that your sense of being lost has has created. Unlock yourself from the sense that you are not going to fulfill your destiny because I'm about to show you something. And that happens in the wilderness with his shoes off. Connected, humble, slowing down. And then he's shown the vision of becoming the person who will help his people go free. And even then, he's not totally ready. He's still afraid. He's stuttering and afraid. You know, so then, then, then he, he partners with Hashem, and then eventually Aaron comes, and then they go, and they do the work. But it's there in the wilderness that he unlocks himself. So if I was going to offer one Torah coming from that, and also my own life experience, at the beginning of this interview, Rav Shamil, you asked me, how did I make that leap from a career that, while it was successful, didn't serve my soul? It was I went to the wilderness, and I prayed for help. And I, I, I mourned the loss of something. And I did some healing there. And then in the clearing of the way of being on my own, I was able to receive something that was already there for me to receive. Instructions my soul already had within me, I believe, you know, but a vision for my life. And, you know, I believe everyone has a gift in their neshama. And I believe that most of us don't take the time or have the opportunity to unwrap those gifts. That we get into the, the flow of life, the flow of family beautiful, the flow of work important, but we never pause. And so each of us in, our, in critical moments in our life, I think, need to take a pause just for a few days maybe and go to nature and stop and listen, you know. And then, and then those touch points, too, just pausing, listening to the birds. But that deep work once, twice, three times in our life, you know, can be a powerful thing so we can become fully who Hashem sent us here to become.
0: Beautiful. Amen. Amen. You know, your Torah reminded me, your beautiful Torah reminded me, I think it's the Degomachan Ephraim who says the gematria, the numerology for Teva is the same as Elohim, that the, that the numerology of, of nature is the same as God. And, of course, you can go the pantheist or the pantheist, panentheistic route of saying, okay, Spinoza, the God is 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 the land, you know, and some will do that. And, on, and, um, and another approach is just to say, this is the space where God can be found, um, you know, within and beyond. And um, uh, if we can merely silence the other noise and engage in that gift. And of course, emerging from that is the moral responsibility to take care of, of, of such a treasure. And your Wilderness Torah is enabling us to encounter that more deeply. So Hevra, make sure to check out Wilderness Torah mm-hmm. and ways you can tap in, support and engage with Rebzalim. And in
1: particular, Passover in the desert every year.
0: Awesome.
1: Pesach, so it's not going to interrupt your Seder. Come out. We build a village. Five days in the desert, embracing liberation, not just through sitting and telling the story, but through entering into a field of connection with the wilderness, deep prayer, and spending time alone and together in the natural world. You know, it's a pluralistic experience of, of embracing what that story of Moshe Rabbeinu is pointing to.
0: Passover over the desert, friends, check it out. Reb Zele Golan, Thanks so much. Thank you.